Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Linney here. We have Mr. Eric Allen in the house. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much, man, for having me here. It's uh, truly an honor, man. Awesome. Well, guys, here's the truth. Um, I don't know much about Eric. Uh, he said, I need to get on 100 podcasts this year. I said, I got a podcast. Let's do this. And so so here we are. Um, so what I like to do with my guests is I like to let them tell the story and then and we'll kind of go from there. So uh, I'll let you start where you want to. Right on, man. Well, yeah, I mean, I grew up in, in Eastern Washington, really thought it was kind of the, the typical household, Sunday school, little league, things like that. And, uh, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. I never heard that word before. I didn't know anyone who had gotten a divorce before. It was just very like strange to me. My mom ends up getting together with this guy who's very physically abusive. And then they did the smart thing and they got pregnant. And my mom never pressed charges whenever he would like beat her and the cops would show up and they'd walk away like same old thing. And so after my mom got pregnant, they decided to move us to small town, Montana, Stevensville, Montana, man, population 1200 people. And they rented this house on five acres, beautiful property, man, like ponds right by the Bitterroot river. And the house they rented had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my little brother who was just a few months old. And then one for my sister who's four years younger than me. They said, Eric, you gotta live in the garage. So I literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated my bed from the truck that pulled in. You know, luckily I had this fireplace on my half of the garage that kept me semi-warm during the winters of Montana. But, uh, you know, it was it was fun being out there at times. But then there's times where I'm like, I kind of felt like that rejection, you know, from the family and things like that. And, you know, when I was 13 years old, they came home arguing one night. Wasn't anything different than any other night. But as I was brushing my teeth, I felt like God was telling me, man, you got to go and, and put a stop to this. So I turned around and as I looked down the hallway to the kitchen, to the pantry, to the garage door where my room is at, he's on top of her in that pantry and just one after the boom, boom, boom. So I walked up behind him and I grabbed a cast iron pan and I swung as hard as I could and I split the back of his head open. And he turned around and as he said that, he's like, what? The? And, and it, I mean, as he turned around, he's like, what? the? And as he did that, I swung again and I split his forehead open and hit him so hard the second time I actually fell over. He was standing over me. He's bleeding down his face. He starts to yell. My mom jumps up, punches him like six times in a row, blood splats on the wall, right? Cops show up, take him to jail for the night. My mom doesn't press charges. It was at that point, I was a freshman of high school and I had three months left of my freshman year there. And I got kicked out of the house at that point. So I bounced around from friends' houses for the next three months. And that set me on this path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life. Buckle in. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, whoa. Okay. Um, yowzers. Okay. Um, I can I can correlate with the the path of destruction. Yeah. Uh, from divorce as well. Same thing. To uh, blame myself for the divorce somehow. Okay. Uh, you know, pr- proceeded to abuse alcohol and drugs and stuff. So, sure. you know, I, I'd be curious that first of all, thank you for standing up for your mom. Um, yeah. Second thing is knowing what you know now, as we continue to unpeel your story, what advice would you give to that, that, that kid, the one that got kicked out of the house? Man, stay strong, keep fighting and know that whatever drama is going on with your parents, 
if there's drama or whatever craziness is going on outside of your world as a kid, it is not your fault. It is, there is nothing that they do that will, can define your future. Don't let their opinions define your future, your past and your other people's opinions do not define your future. You can make that change at any point. And if you stay strong and you surround yourself with people that are going to show you that love and that grace and that motivation to be a better person and break those cycles, those are the people that you need to be around. My friend texted me something and Yes, the other day, and he said, "Don't make their problems your problems." Yes, and it was like, Oof. and I was like, "Oh, you know." So when you in that path of destruction, what kind of things were were taking place? Where did you live? Who? What were you doing for work? Yeah, so I ended up going back to live with my dad for my sophomore through senior year of high school, and and he rented a house for for him and I, and he put twenty bucks in a cup and cereal and milk in the house and hunger man meals in the freezer, and then he'd go stay with his girlfriend. And so I had no adult supervision, no accountability, right? Like I was going to school. I was getting stoned before school, at lunch, after school, you know, taking mushrooms, acid, uh, opium, whatever I could get my hands on. Like even to the point where I was going to the store to buy a bottle of Robitussin DM because it was 250 and a hit, a hit of acid was five bucks, right? So it was cheaper for me to go get high off of the morphine and that cough syrup than it was the acid, you know? And so 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington. Uh, but at the time it was not in 1998. And, and so I had to go to jail. I had a black and white chain gang outfit on, bright orange slippers. I had to just go for 24 hours, but it was pretty scary 24 hours for sure. And got out. And then I graduated a couple months later. I woke up to a note on the bathroom mirror that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. So at that point, I was basically living off of credit cards. And between ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times. Uh, living off of you know, friends' couches here, friends' second cousins there, things like that. And it caught up to me by the time I'm 21, I'm $28,000 in debt and I had to file bankruptcy. Mm. I was borrowing money from Money Tree to pay cash advance and vice versa and, you know, barely surviving. And then I had moved up to Seattle. I had a hundred bucks in my pocket. Always wanted to move to Seattle. Got up there and, you know, again, bouncing around from house to house and, and wanted to get into the music business. I don't know how to play anything, but I was like, I want to be in the music business, sales, marketing, whatever it is. I ended up landing an internship with Universal Records, and it was probably the coolest job ever. And I just showed up every day for six months. Just was going to stuff posters and do whatever I took, whatever it would take for me to get that job. And after six months, they hired me on as their mailroom coordinator. So I was tracking sales and setting up meet and greets and stuff like that. The problem was the year before I started there, and then that year, I had open tab at every concert I went to. And my buddy was a manager at an outdoor venue. So I had this two-year span where I was going to about 175 concerts over that span. Open tab, every concert. So I was living this rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. And then I got laid off from my one-year anniversary there at Music or at Universal Records. And again, kind of put me in this depression. I was working at Starbucks. I'd get off work, go to my you know ghetto apartment with my six-pack of beer and drink myself to sleep. And, you know, that was up until I was about 23 years old. That was my job. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just thought this is the life that I've been given and I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to keep living this depressed life. And one night this girl walked into Starbucks and she said, Hey, we got this cool college days event down in our church. Would you be interested in going? And I'm depressed. I have no friends. I'm alone. And she's good looking. Absolutely. What time do I need to be there? So I go down there and there's like all these guys that I knew from like, six, seven years ago, dude, I haven't seen you forever, man. It's been cool to catch up. And I think in that, in that moment, I felt like God was planting a seed in me because a month later is Easter 2004. And I was out partying with my buddies. We woke up Easter morning. I did woke up Easter morning around 5am surrounded by probably 15 guys in my buddy's basement. 
And I felt in that moment that God was speaking to me saying, dude, you're going down this path that's going to end your life very quickly. It's time to make a change. And I decided to give my life to Christ right there. And I quit cold turkey drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And I called that girl up and got her voicemail and said, hey, thanks for inviting me to that church event. Maybe I'll see it at Starbucks sometime. And a month later, we were dating. Now we've been married for almost 17 years. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, pretty crazy, man. And, and we were actually both born at exactly the same minute, 141 p.m. on our birth certificates. Different Stop. days, different, different years, but the same minute. That is, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question. And it, this ties into the conversation we were just having. Yeah. With my previous client. Yeah. Why do you think it takes somebody having to hit the brick wall doing 160 to change? Man, I, it's like a wake up call. I think, you know, we, we're, I think every person on earth, it was put here for a purpose, right? Like we've got a plan to either make an impact on others or break cycles that we've been given. Uh, right. And so, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's amazing. It's one of those two things, right? I think we've all been given an opportunity to make an impact, but there's so many people that get stuck in that cycle of like, I'm in this trailer park because that's where I was raised or I'm on, you know, like food stamps because my family was on food stamps and like, I can't get out of the ghetto because that's where I was raised, like things like that. And, and, you know, I think if we finally hit this point where we're like, I think that purpose, once it hits our heart, man, and once it hits our mind, we're like, dude, we are called to be more, to impact more people and start to make some changes in our lives, man. That's that wake up call. And sometimes it does take crazy, serious scenarios to move us out of that. You know, I had Sean Whalen on my show uh, a couple of years back, and he talks about that moment where he stuck that nine millimeter in his mouth to end his life. And he pulled the trigger and it jammed. And it was like, whoa, wait a second here right? Like craziness. Sometimes it does take us to that far lowest, lowest point. But I think that if, if we're going to get out of that, like sometimes it has to be extreme wake up calls. I have a friend on the back of that, that, uh, gun jamming. And he was at that point, not in the same scenario, but was in a gun shop. And he said, he doesn't know what happened. It's very hard to explain it. But he said in that moment, when he was going to purchase that gun, he said his subconscious slid out back and he looked at himself and he started laughing. And he was like, you look like a fucking fool. Wow. He was like, look at you. Look how, who have you become? He goes, you have two kids. And he goes, in that moment, I laughed this ridiculous laugh. And he goes, from that moment, I realized that life is nothing more than a game. Mm-hmm. And we're getting caught so much up into what we're doing. It's funny. I think this is going to hit home with you. I'm not starting it yet, and I and I and I'm not in the position to do it. But I've always wanted to start a podcast that centers 100% around breaking generational poverty or generational curse like patterns. Yeah, because because it has nothing to do with the person breaking the pattern. They know it's for everybody behind them. Yep. But the power. And, and aggression and focus that it takes to my, my girlfriend's a scenario, you know, her parents drugs their whole life and, and, and on the Island and the same shit. And I look at her and her sisters and I go, you are great humans and you work and you have kids. And it's, it's like, it's so great to see that they made a choice. They stuck their flag in the ground and they said, I'm not going to carry this on any longer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So good, man. It's so good. Yeah. So, so, 
when your when your life started switching and and, and things started changing and, and you and you found Christ and everything, yeah. Um, what 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 action did you take right away? You know, because a lot of people say the the issue that I see is like I I don't even know how to create the vision necessary to even start walking forward. Yeah, that seems to be the big thing. You, I, I personally had to take some steps right immediately, like you said. Like you have to take immediate action. If you sit on it, you're not going to ever change. But if you get this vision or you get this gut feeling like, man, I need to make a change right now, you got to take action. And so what I did was I immediately called my buddies and I said, dudes, here's the thing. I got to get healthy. I'm not going on a good path right now. And I need to take a break from managing the band. I need to take a break from going out to concerts and going to the bars right now. And they're like, dude, you got to get healthy. And to this day, they're still my friends. I took like six months off from going to the bar, from hanging out with those guys, anything like that. What I did was replace that with hanging around with guys that had great marriages, that had great businesses, that were Christ followers. And I started filling up my cup with guys that were living that life that I wanted to live. I surrounded myself with the right people. And without even realizing it, I was like taking guys out to, to interview them, but really saying, hey, can we go get a cup of coffee? And I would just ask them their story. Like, what are you doing to stay in that spot? And that's really where it started to hit me. Like, dude, my past does not define my future. I can make that change at any moment. Oh, I love that. And it's, it's, it is really true. You know, some guy, some guy told me, he's like, we're, we're all addicted to something. He's like, just what are your addictions? Are they positive or negative? Yes. You know, and at the end of the day, that's what you have to do. And it's, you know, I find myself, especially I look at my mentors and people that I that I'm around. Um, we far less talk about business than we do life, and 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 I and I honor them for who they are as a dad mm-hmm. and a husband more than I do for any business uh, success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so what, uh, what are you doing today? Like, what's your mission today? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? My mission today is really just to make that impact, to, to help people realize that, you know what, the, the past doesn't define you, right? That's that thing. But I also realize that like we're created to make that impact on somebody. So I have this daily goal where... I need to go and make at least one person smile, whether that's virtually or in person. If I'm at the store, I'm at the restaurant or something like that, people wear name tags for a reason. It's not just to be the Karen and complain, right? It's to call them by their name and man say, hey, Steve, have a good day or you know, however, whatever their name is, right? And so first of all, you have to stack the wins. So when I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week, if I open my eyes, there's win number one. I jump out of bed, I make my bed, there's two wins in 15 seconds. It's going to be an awesome day. And then I come upstairs after working out and I've got this vision wall and I literally go through all of the pictures I posted, all the quotes I've got on there. I've got my goals on the wall and I read those out loud, uh, not just saying like in my head, just looking at them. I visually and then audibly say them out loud. And I am statements. I am a millionaire. I am the owner of this property. I am the, this, right? And that helps me to get in that right mindset. And for me, like I kick on worship and I spend some time in prayer. And then it's just about being grateful for the things that I've been able to get through and what I have to day. And that really helps that whole tone uh, for the day. Right. And so I do podcasts. So I have two podcasts, right? So I do that in the early mornings, get through that, edit shows. I do voiceover work and content creation. So that's kind of what I work on in the morning. And then I start my regular job at eight, but that 6.30 to 7.30 window is when I'm waking my kids up, I'm making them breakfast, I'm doing lunches with them and I get to see them out the door. And so that's really my, my main focus. And then at five o'clock at the end of the day, 
it's family time. I try to shut off the phone. I try not to, you know, get on social media and things like that. And so that's really my, my passion right now is just making that impact on others. And I would imagine that every day, all those things that you talked about, you want to do them easily, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> what do you tell, <laughs> which I believe truly separates people. What do you tell yourself when you don't want to get up? Or what do you tell yourself when you don't want to do that thing? Yeah. Some days it sucks, man, because I, I try to get to sleep by nine, nine 30, but there's days where I might stay up till 11 o'clock. And I'm like, if I don't wake up at four, I'm be really pissed because I'm breaking that. It's a non-negotiable for me to wake up at 4am. I'm still going to get up at 4am, no matter how late I stay up. I might need a power nap later in the day, but like, I'm still going to get up on that. So it's non-negotiable for me on that. But there are days where I'm like, man, I really don't want to wake up or I don't want to go work out, or I don't want to do this extra editing because I've got to get this stuff done. And what I have to realize is that end goal for me is this property that I have on my, my vision wall. And that property is literally, I have it written underneath. If I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too close. Like (laughs) that's the property that I want. And that's the end goal. Right. So that's what I sit there and I go, man, that's the end goal. You got to keep pushing for that. Cause that's what I I want my family legacy to be on that property for years to come. I love that. And and so we travel a bunch and, you know, you see these amazing properties, but the number one thing that I say is, no, they're too close still. Neighbors yeah. are way too close. Yeah. Yep. A thousand acres. And that might even still be too close enough, you know? <laughs> uh, so what advice would you, you know, you, we, I think one of the bigger issues that I see out in, in the world is, is, is we're so concerned about having to know the direction that we don't even take the action in the first place. Yeah. So what, what advice would you give to, all the young kids that are listening or all the people that are transitioning jobs on how to change the narrative, how to get even started in the right direction. One, I think you have to find what you're passionate about. doesn't matter if you're passionate about plumbing or car sales or podcasting, whatever it is, find what it is that you're passionate about. Go find people that are doing that. You have to get uncomfortable to go be successful. Like go surround yourself with them, go to networking groups in town that are, you know, clubs that are doing what, what you want to be doing first. And then don't wake up every morning and not know what you're going to do. So before you go to bed at night, write your to-do list down before you go to bed so that when you wake up, you already know exactly what you have to do. Most people, they'll get up, they don't have this to-do list and they start looking at social media and they get sucked down the hole of Instagram or Facebook or the news, right? Turn off the news and do your to-do list the night before. And then when you wake up in the morning, you've got this target list that you've got to go through on the daily basis. And that really helps set that tone. And that'll help you get out of, you know, whatever the craziness is, right. But go surround yourself with those people that are doing the life that you want to be doing. And, um, as you had that situation, when, you know, I I find this to be the case and you as a father, I can tell that you're a very intentional dad and, and, and your kids are probably very well schooled and and taken care of and all that stuff. And, you know, I find that you either go two ways when you have the upbringing you did, it's either, you know, I'm going to blame everybody else, or I'm going to, I'm going to make a decision. And I think, you know, I've said this multiple times on multiple podcasts. I don't think that drugs and alcohol are really the problem that is, is that is hampering America. I think it's victimhood. Yes. I think victimhood is the actual thing that is ruining people from creating everything that they want to create. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that there's so many people that want to play that victim that are like, you know what? 
this, this is what's happened to me. This is my scenario. I'm never getting out of it. And I'm just going to continue to live this mediocre life, average life, you know, we're going to continue to live on food stamps or whatever it is. Right. And, and, but they never want to get out of that cycle. They never want to make this impact. Right. And I think if they can realize that, if they can really start to go, man, I'm called to be more, right? I'm called to love on people more. I'm called to make an impact. Then I can start making some actions. And then you really just have to take that action, right? Think about it and take action. But if you think about it and you're not doing anything, you're just like the same old spot that you'll be in for the rest of your life. And those 10 years of what you consider destruction and everything, what are the, um, cause you know, there's, there's so, you're, you know, as my as my friend would say, you know, half of us are reading, are living our life, reading the book with it right up against our nose, so quick that we can't see around us, right? Yeah. Um, as you you you've lived a life now, you can reflect back on that time. Um, are there any lessons mm-hmm. from that? Not in a not in a not in a like oh, but like in a just like gifts that you can pass along to somebody that's kind of like maybe not seen. The destruction that they're creating because I, I I created my own destruction so it's interesting yeah. to look back on that time yeah it is I think you know in in our early twenties like if you're in your early twenties and you're listening to this like quit going to the bar so much quit going out and partying so much because what I didn't think about then was hey you know what when I'm forty or fifty years old I want to be set up and I want to be like working hard, but I, I, I don't want to be, you know, I want to be financially free by the time I'm 40. Right. I yeah. didn't think about that. I didn't think about what do I want to do when I'm 40 in my early twenties? I was all worried about going to the bar and finding, you know, a girlfriend or whatever it is. Right. Like if, if I could just give one piece of advice, start to think about like, what do you want to be? Where do you want to be when you're 40 years old? If you're in your early twenties or even in your thirties, like, where do you want to be in five years, 10 years, start working towards that quit going, spending so much time at the bar turn off the news and start working towards that end game goal for you. See, you see what I see. So I work a lot in the real estate space. I can't tell you how many 50 year olds I meet that would give up their right arm to have started 30 years ago. Yeah. will have put down and then they would be set up. And I, I say the same thing to myself, you know, it's like, if, if I had all the money I, <laughs> I made in my twenties, like we'd be in a really good spot right about now, you know, not that I'm totally. upset. My story is my story and, and yeah. it's co- totally cool, but yeah. it's definitely stuff that you look back on. And it, it's, it's, it's about, you know, getting outside of yourself and just kind of leaning into whatever you're doing and just kind of pushing forward and let, let the chips fall where they may, I think is, is kind of the tactic. I, I think one of the things I talk about is, everybody tries to live their life in absolutes. Mm-hmm. Like this is the only place I'm supposed to live. This is the only thing I'm supposed to do. And it's, you know, we're not in that world anymore. Right. Yep. It's, a, it, it's, it's really is be a river because <laughs> this, yes. this, this baby's flowing and we don't know where it's going to wind up, you know? <laughs> I mean, at yeah, this point. You got to be adaptable and be able to pivot, man, whenever things are coming your way. I love that. So if people want to hear your amazing podcast, they want to see what you're going on, how would they do that? EricAllenMedia.com is the website. I'm really big on on Instagram. So very active on there. Respond to every comment, respond to every DM. Uh, So it's Eric, E-R-I-K, G. Allen on Instagram. And uh, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube and and I'm on Spotify and Apple and all the, the podcasts. But the Eric Allen Show comes out every single Friday. And the top rated MA show drops every single Saturday. 
Wonderful, man. I love it. It's great to get to meet you. Uh, thank you for sharing the amazing story. And uh, guys, if you got some value from this, send it to your friends, share it around, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.